It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. It is one of our favorite days of the week. Well, I can say that about every day, but Friday is extremely exciting around here on Exploring the Word because it is Fire Away Friday, and that number that you just heard, if you heard the introduction, is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. We'll take phone calls the whole program. Uh, All this week, we've had... uh, cut off uh, some folks that were waiting. We hope they can get in with their questions, their Bible questions. But so we're thankful you are calling. 888 Alex, it's good to be with you, brother. Well, it's good to be with you. And a couple of things that I want to share really quickly. For one thing, uh, I'm very thankful to be with you, Brother Burt, and the American Family Radio Network and everybody listening on this Fireway Friday. Just uh, a quick word um, the, the homegoing of a real legend in Christian radio was uh, Stuart Epperson Sr., and Angie and I just came from his memorial service at Calvary Baptist in Winston-Salem. Dr. Gary Chapman was speaking, you know, who wrote the Five Love Languages, and just so many wonderful colleagues from Christian radio, and it was an honor to go and share our love and condolences with the Epperson family, and uh represent AFR to to them but also Bert not only the homegoing of a great man who gave his life to the gospel uh, Mr. Epperson but also I wanted to share some really exciting news Bert I am so blessed in not long I'll be in Iowa at the Cedar Falls Bible Conference and I believe it's I think the 103rd meeting but we're going to get some of the information from the leader uh, Matt Reisler. Matt, are you there with us on the phone, brother? Hey, Alex, how you doing? Good to be with you Good. and Bert. Yeah. Hey, thanks for making time to be with us on Fireway Friday. And I want to say, brother, what an honor. Uh, I'm going to be getting to Iowa and speaking there on July 30 and 31. And uh, tell us about the Bible conference and how people can come out and join us there. Well, you can learn all you need to learn at cedarfallsbibleconference.com, but it's a conference. This will actually be our 102nd year. It started okay. in 1921, and it was part of a broader Bible conference movement that swept across at least middle America in the early 1900s, typically led by lay people and business people who were frustrated with the churches and the denominations and the seminaries at that time being infiltrated with modernism. And if, gosh, if if you were worried about what was going on in denominations and churches, then you certainly would be today. Right, right. You know, Bert, do you remember R.A. Torrey? And he uh, edited that wonderful book called The Fundamentals that was really a response to Darwinism and modernism and uh, Hey, uh, Bert and Matt, both, I'm excited. A century later, we are still, we're standing for the Word of God, the timeless truth of God's Word. And, brother, I want to say that I'm just humbled to be invited to speak, and I'm looking forward to uh, preaching there. And uh, uh, people can come. You're you're near 
Cedar Falls, right, or Cedar Rapids? Where? What's the closest yeah. big city? We're we're in Cedar Falls. The closest big city, about an hour away, is Cedar Rapids. They've got an airport there. You can get to uh, Waterloo, which is about ten minutes away. Does have an airport, but it's it's pretty small. Cedar Rapids or Des Moines are your best bets. Uh, Whatever you spend on airfare to come in, you're not going to have to spend anything on registration because the whole deal is free. Uh, we have mm. sessions in the morning and the evening. Uh, we've got ministry for children and students. You're going to be part of that high school and junior high ministry a little bit too, Alex, right. as you were last year. And uh, so, yeah, we just have a real passion for the Word of God. We believe that it's inerrant. We believe that it's authoritative. And we believe that uh, there are still people in this country who are looking to be inspired and challenged and shaped by the Word of God faithfully preached. And that's what we've been doing for 102 years, and we plan on doing that until the Lord comes back. Amen. 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 Alex, that sounds exciting, and I know you will do a great job. Man, you're getting to do both of them, be speaking to the adults and then the youth as well. So I know you'll be ready, and the people who come will be blessed. I know that. I appreciate that. Amen. Well, well, Matt, um, I want to say this. Uh, thank you for your leadership. I was there last year to speak to the youth. And folks, let me just tell you, let me encourage you to come to the Cedar Falls Bible Conference. There was such an exciting uh, spirit there because the Lord was working. Matt, there were people praying, little huddles of prayer groups. And I really felt a powerful uh, mood of revival and I give that website again. And folks, wherever you are, you've got time to get there. I, I'll be speaking on July 30th and 31st. And then we've got uh, the camp for the youth. And we're going to be talking about biblical worldview. And uh, give that website. Folks, you've got time to come to Iowa to one of the most exciting Bible conferences anywhere this year. What's the website, Matt? CedarFallsBibleConference.com Amen. Amen. Well, brother, as you, I know you've got a lot going on in preparation. We're praying for you. Thank you for your leadership and everybody that is going to be there. Uh, we're going to have a good time in God's Word, and we're going to pray for a move of the Lord in our generation. Bert, we need that, don't we? We really do. And so, Matt, thank you for asking Alex to come. I know it will be a blessing, and I pray that it will be the beginning of a great movement of God. Thank you so Amen. much for being with us. Amen. Thanks, guys. God bless your work. You're doing good stuff. Amen. Amen. Well, well Alex, that's exciting, and I know you will do a great job, so we're looking forward to that. So all of those that can, make your way to Cedar Falls, Iowa, and uh, I, I, uh, I know it'll be great. Well, Alex, you ready to go to the phone lines? Let's do that, folks. It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday with your questions at 888-589-8840. Bert, where shall we go first? Let's go to Mississippi and talk to David. Welcome, David. Yes, uh, good afternoon to you. I, I'm going to just share a short testimony based on the lady's reluctance to have immersion baptism. I, I grew up in a different denomination and had hesitation around that when uh, my wife joined the Baptist church. They asked me to do immersion baptism. I already knew that I'd been baptized after being saved, and I was just really reluctant about it. And one of the deacons pulled me aside when I expressed my concern to him. He, he point blank said to me, David, what's it going to hurt? <laughs> and... Um, you know, kind of hit me right between the eyes, and 
I want to tell you, gentlemen, I, I went and I got baptized, and I had three different women in our congregation come to me and said, because of what you did, my husband's going to make his public profession too. So, Amen. Amen. That's exactly what baptism should do. It identifies you as with Christ. It really does. And it's a testimony to others that causes them to examine themselves and where they are. So I thank you, David. That's a great testimony, isn't it, Alex? Well, it really is. And if we're going to follow the Lord in salvation, I think we need to follow the Lord in, in public baptism to show our faith in Christ. And really, Bert, Follow the Lord wherever he leads. <laughs> wherever he leads, I'll go. Sounds like Amen. that'd be the name of a good song. Okay, yes. let's go to Virginia, and it's Betty. Welcome, Betty. Hello, this is Betty in Virginia. I have a question about the NIV Bible. I have the Ryrie Study Bible, and from the way I interpret this, it's the 84 edition, but it was printed in 86. And I've heard some discussion about the later NIV not being authentic. I just want to make sure my Bible is because I love this Bible. Amen. Listen, I, I just want to say I, I love the King James. Alex uses the King James most of the time. I'm, I use the New King James and the ESV most of the time, one of those. And the New Living Translation has become very uh, helpful to me. We've we've given those away quite a bit. But the NIV 1984, Alex, is that the the earlier one? That is the earlier one. Oh, okay. They, they did an update in 2011, and one of the websites that you and I have used, Bert, is BibleGateway.com, which is really a search engine for Bibles. BibleGateway.com uh, has King James, New King James, NASB, NIV. Well, the NIV 2011 BibleGateway.com dropped, and uh, they, they've got a message on their screen that if you search NIV, it will be the, the 1984 edition. Now, Bert, um, let me be very clear. I know this gets a little bit into the weeds. There was one called the TNIV that was a gender-neutral, and it, it finally, Zondervan dropped it, and I'm glad. But even the 2011... And I remember when I was working for Dr. Dobson around 2005, I was asked to write an analysis of that TNIV, and I interviewed Wayne Grudem and some great scholars. But here's the thing. Uh, God has revealed himself in masculine terms. God the Father, God the Son. And as I understand it, some of these later editions wanted to, not, not for textual reasons, but in my opinion, Bert, simply to placate where the Western world has gone in terms of suppressing masculinity and really the feminizing of the culture uh, to change. Uh, and rather than say the father said to the son, they would just say God said. And so I appreciate some of the like the, the web portals like BibleGateway.com that said, no, we're going to keep the older edition of the translation because here's the thing, um, we, whether it be a textual issue or a moral issue, Bert, we stand on the timeless truth of God's word. We don't go with the, the changing winds of time or culture. We stand with the eternal timeless revelation of God. Amen. Matter of fact, this Sunday at Auburn Baptist Church, where I'm an interim pastor, I'm going to be preaching a message 
concerning the truth of the Bible. Uh, I'm doing Amen. that. Hopefully, uh, there will be students there trying to get ready to go back to school, and I want them to know and understand the Word of God is reliable. It is settled in heaven. And the more you can get a translation rather than a paraphrase uh, for a study, it's better. Sometimes understanding a paraphrase or loosely, I say loosely translated helps some. But uh, listen, uh, get into the Word of God. Let the Word of God speak to your heart. It will lead you. Amen. And uh, there's some good versions out there. Uh, and But like you said, Bible Gateway dropping that, way to go. And uh, that's a thing to do. Well, we're going to take more phone calls, and that number is 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. We'd love to get your call today. I've seen shame, the kind that comes from mistakes, the kind that won't go away. When I turned around, they were right there to remind me. I've seen regret, the kind that messes with your head, the failures and the can't forget. But standing Welcome now, back to Exploring the Word. John 10, verse 35 says, The Scripture cannot be broken. That's why we stand upon and stand for the timeless Word of God. Well, we thank you for calling in, and we're going to get to these questions. And the number, if you've got a Bible question, Bert and I will do our very best to give you a, a good answer. The number is 888-589-8840. Call in, and we'll get to you on Fireway Friday. Bert, where should we go next? Let's go to your home state of North Carolina and talk to Kenneth. Welcome, Kenneth. Thank you, uh, Bert and Alex, for taking my call. First, I want to say I greatly appreciate uh, your ministry and what you do. And even when you're talking about controversial issues, it always seems to come out with love and compassion. And you say what does say the Lord, which is greatly needed today, the love and compassion. My question is, a few months ago, I am listening to a radio and I was driving, which I'm driving on now hands-free. And um, the, the speaker was talking about how you had to have water baptism now as a condition for salvation. And so uh, then they had, a, of course, a call in, so I called in, and uh, I asked the man about, well, what about Christ on the cross? And the thief says, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And he, Christ told him, today you will be with me in paradise. So the gentleman on the phone said, no, that was before the resurrection. Now, after the resurrection, um, baptism, water baptism is now a requirement for salvation. And I use the analogy, so if I gave my life to Christ on Friday, my church that I was going to don't baptize me until Sunday. I die on Saturday. He said, you will go to hell because you are not a baptized believer. So I will listen to your response to that. I certainly thought that I didn't think that water baptism was a condition for salvation. Thank you. I'll listen for your comments. Kenneth, thank you. Uh, you said we were gracious sometimes, but this, you're the the radio person you was listening to is wrong. I, I just want to share with you, over in the book of John, Alex, this may be a little bit different than what we usually use. It says we are not by the will of man. Uh, you know, Kenneth has talked about if he is saved on Friday and he didn't get to be able to be baptized before he died, he'd go to hell. What if he couldn't mm. find somebody willing, hear my words, willing to baptize him? You know, mm, not yeah. by the will of man. 
In other words, for true baptism to happen, I've got, yes, to find somebody that would be willing to baptize me, find the water. That also means it's uh, geographically impossible in a few places, like the desert, nomads in the desert, unless they find the oasis. Up in uh, Alaska, uh, the upper Morse Park toward the Arctic Circle, to win someone there and the water not be available to baptize because it's frozen. Alex, mm, yeah, God doesn't leave it to himself like that, does he? In the Word of God, he does not, does he? No, uh, and Kenneth, so I, I agree with Bert um, respectfully, but firmly let me say that that, that person was wrong. And l- let me explain. In Galatians chapter 3, and, and first of all, it's worth saying, Bert, the New Testament uses the word baptism in two senses. And this is very imperative to, to get. Always salvation is by faith. And F-A-I-T-H, faith means trust or belief. I put my faith in Jesus. He is the Son of God, died on the cross for my sins. I believe that. And, and over and over, the Bible is very clear that uh, it is belief in Jesus that results in us getting saved. Now, the word baptism, the most common understanding, is what we think of water baptism. But that is not what saves. That's a way to publicly show forth the salvation that you've already done. You know. But in Galatians 3, and then I'm going to give you one other verse, it says in Galatians 3.26, we are children of God by faith in Christ. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Galatians 3.26, we are children of God by what? faith in Christ. But then it goes on, and it says in verse 27 that if we have put on Christ, we are baptized into Christ. So this is really key. By putting your trust in Jesus, you are in Christ, immersed in Christ. In the English translation, it'll say baptized into Christ. So if somebody says to you, are you baptized? You can say, yes, because I put my faith in Jesus. Now, a a second thing, and we often talk of believer's baptism, is being publicly baptized. I was, and Bert, let let me just say, when I was 21 and I got born again um, through Macedonia Baptist Church, uh, I went through the new believer's class, and I realized that now, as a Christian, I could publicly make testimony of that by being baptized. And, And my father, rest his soul, who was a lifelong Presbyterian, he was he was born again. He was upset with me because he said, well, you were baptized as an infant. And I, and I didn't know much at, at all at that point, but I said, Daddy, I was sprinkled, but I couldn't put my faith in Jesus as a two-week-old infant. And I had to explain to my dad, and he later understood. I said, Daddy, believer's baptism is not what saves me. I got saved by my faith in Christ. And I was baptized. But, Bert, one last thing. In Acts 8, and you and I have been in the book of Acts, the Ethiopian says to Philip, uh, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip says, nothing if you believe in Jesus. You remember that? If, if, yes. That's the big if. It is if belief in Christ, trust in him. The word believe in the Greek language. Let me just do that real quickly. Uh, we throw the word believe around with like head knowledge or thinking. So the Greek word in believe has the idea of trust. Uh, it would be really faithing 
if you faith in Christ. Yes, and, well and, said. And so sometimes I think we need to make sure people understand that you can know about Christ. You can even believe that he he lived, he died. But if you've never faithed in him, trusted in him, you need to be born again. And if that is your case, there's partners that we'd love for you to call. Triple Eight need him. They'll help you come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your call, Kenneth. That was great. Let's go to Arkansas. Don, welcome. Good morning or good afternoon, guys. Got a quick question for you. Matthew 27, verse 52 and 53 talks about saints being being awakened out of the grave and then appearing to many. Is there anywhere else where it talks about that in the Scripture? This, uh, go ahead, Alex. To to my knowledge, there's nowhere else that talks about this, but in Matthew 27, 51 through 54, uh, this is called the four phenomenon of Matthew 27, but it's kind of almost like a little snapshot of when Christ ultimately returns. It says in verse 52, uh, the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city. Bert, let me give you an example. I read an article about a, an earthquake that happened in the 19th century that was felt everywhere around the globe. It was apparently such a severe earthquake, said there was nowhere on earth that it wasn't felt. I think that's how it was when Christ arose from the tomb, when uh, the that resurrection power emanated forth from the word of life, Jesus. It's like every cemetery within a 10-mile radius felt a jolt of that. <laughs> you think, That's could it good. have been that way, Bert? Yeah, that is right. Again, and, and again, these are the signs, the miraculous signs that took place to let us know that something miraculous was happening. And they were accompanying this, and I think that is the word. In other words, this is validating the darkness, validating this. The, 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 uh, in the temple, the holy holies, the curtain being torn from top, right. from top to bottom. I mean, right. in, you remember how tall the curtain was? Was it close to? I was, uh, I think it's 30 feet. 30 feet. And nobody. This is huge. Yeah. And nobody, I mean, it was God that did it. So this is the signs. Thank you. And it's the only place that we know of, Don. Let's go to Virginia and talk to Jerry. Welcome, Jerry. Hello. How are you today? Doing well, brother. Good to hear from you. All right. Got a, a, a Bible question. Uh, I think it's a question that a lot of us Christians need some clarity on. You know, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I, you know, accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Um. But the question is, there's a many of ministers who will say that you're not saved unless you speak in tongue. And uh, the problem with uh, that for me is I can't speak any language other than English. Um, and am I in trouble here? You know, uh, what is the validity uh, to that belief? Okay, Jerry, let me just tell you. Uh, the answer to that is no, you do not. It is faith in Christ alone it is in christ alone through faith alone and uh the tongues that you find out the different times it's mentioned three times in the book of acts and and 
I know two of those were languages, and I think all three of them, according to what it says, and then in Corinthians with the unknown tongue, but none of those were required uh, evidence of salvation. It was evidence of the Holy Spirit of God being on people, wasn't it, Alex? It was. It was. And, Bert, I, I agree with you on that. Let me read tw- uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 29, and 30. Well, 28 29. Let me encourage people to read 1 Corinthians 12, uh, which 1 Corinthians 13 also elaborates on that. And it says, God has set some in the church, apostles, prophets, teachers. After that, miracles, gifts of healing, helps, uh, governments. That really means administration, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Uh, Verse 29, ask a question. Paul asks a lot of rhetorical questions, by the way. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? Uh, Do all have the gift of healing? Verse 30, do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And, of course, the answer is no. Not everybody has all the same gifts. Uh, And so salvation clearly is by faith. And, uh, Bert, I I would definitely say I really don't have the gift of administration, uh, but I surely appreciate those who do. And so, um, no, uh, faith alone in Jesus, that is where salvation uh, begins, isn't it? It really is, and we hope that helps you very much, Jerry. Thank you for calling. Let's go to Dane in Louisiana. Dane, welcome to Exploring the Word. Yes, sir. How y'all doing, guys? Um, I had a question about um, switching faith from uh, Catholic to Christian. Um, about a year ago, I had a very spiritual experience. And um, since then, I surrendered my heart to Christ. And I've grown very strong in the Christian faith. And I guess my question is just, I guess, uh, what would God think about switching from Catholic to Christian? Thank you. Thank you, Dane. Uh, listen, first of all, you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. Thank, praise the Lord, and welcome to the family of God. That's the whole idea. Regardless of Catholicism, Bab- Baptist, Methodist, whether it's united or the global, listen, being saved is in, brings you into relationship with Jesus Christ. That is it. We're a part of his body. And then you go to denominations, and mine and Alex's opinion there are denominations that are, are closer to the Word of God than others. And that's what you want to be, a part of a church that uh, loves the Lord, loves His Word, teaches His Word, and preaches His Word. Alex, go ahead and help, help Dane. Praise the Lord for Dane calling and in today. Amen. Praise God. And, Dane, if, if we could, I want to get your address because I want to send you one of our books. Bert and I, we wrote a book on 100 Bible questions and answers, and there's a little part in the back about how to have assurance of your salvation. And it would be my privilege to send you one of those. So don't hang up till we get your address. Okay, I think Dane is already hung up. So Dane. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, Brent, did you get his number? Okay, we got his number. We'll take care of that. So Dane, thank you. Amen. Bert, Welcome to amen. the family. And Bert, isn't it good, the, the assurance we have by having put our trust in Jesus. It is in Jesus alone. Listen, uh, just Jesus Christ is the sufficiency of Christ. What he yeah. said and what he did on the cross, the resurrection, when we place our faith in him and him alone, he brings us from 
death to life, from darkness into light. The Bible goes on and on. And so welcome to the family, Dane. Let's go to Texas and talk to Jerome. Jerome, welcome. Well, thank you very much. I hope you can hear me. Yes, your own yeah. brother, loud welcome. and clear. Thank you. Oh, man, I'm so glad. I love y'all guys so much. God bless you. Uh, listen, people ask me uh, sometimes, my nephew asked, oh, where did Cain's wife come from? And, you know, they're always doing it in order to try to dispute the Word of God. So I read some things that Ken Ham, I think he wrote the answers in Genesis, and it uh, satisfied my, my soul. So, okay, uh, Jerome, but, uh, thank you. Hang up. Okay, brother, thank you. Alex, we have we got, got a lot of time, so you go ahead and take that question. Well, uh, let me just give a big shout-out for our mutual friend, Ken Ham. He is great, and Answers in Genesis we love so much. It's a great ministry. But in the Bible, it talks about that Cain, uh, you know, he was really um, ostracized and sent away because he murdered Abel. He murdered his brother, right? And so then it says that Cain got married. Well, evolutionists have always loved this question because they wonder, well, was there another race of people on the other side of the planet? And the answer is no. Now, and by the way, so Cain married one of his sisters, as we all do. Because, I mean, really, we're all children of Adam and Eve. Even secular science says the human race came from a single male-female pair. Ultimately, Cain's wife that bore him children would have been a, a distant sibling, really, Bert. It really is. And so uh, we hope that helps, Jerome. Uh, give an answer. That answer is real. Listen, we're going to take more phone calls in the last segment of this program. Don't go away. It is Fire Away Friday, so we're taking phone calls. I think we've got enough on the uh, list here, the queue that they call it, that we can make it through the rest of the program and try mm. to get to all of them. Alex, you ready to go? Yes, and I just want to say how much we appreciate everybody that listens and calls, oh, folks. We, we are sincerely grateful for the f people that follow this show. Uh, earlier today, I was talking to a pastor. He's a younger guy. He went to school with our son, Nathan, and uh, John's just a great guy. I love him. And we were talking about uh, the new generation coming on. And uh, he was talking about, well, I, I would talk about the influence, talking about being on radio and the number of people that call in from all over the United States. So, Alex, it is a joy to be able to talk with those who listen and then those who call in. So thank you so much, people, for listening. Let's go to Texas and talk to Mary Jo. Welcome, Mary Jo. Hi, thank you for taking my call. My question is, I know Satan, you know, looks for our weaknesses. He's, you know, seeks to kill, steal, and destroy us. But is there a reference in the Bible or is something in the Bible that says whether he can hear unspoken thoughts? Okay. I think not, but i just like to know. Thank you, Mary Jo, for calling. Uh, Satan is a foe. Uh, he is not equal foe to God. He is not the counterpart to God. And uh, so he is a limited foe. 
And Alex, I have found it in the Bible where he mm-hmm. can inter, uh, know our thoughts. I have not found mm-hmm. that. Have you? Right. No, I I do not believe Satan can read our thoughts. And while Satan and his demons are powerful, uh, they're not God. Uh, They're not everywhere. They're not omniscient. You know, uh, 1 Kings 8.39 says that God alone knows our heart. Now, I'll tell you what, though, I, I think the Satan and his demons probably are pretty keen observers <laughs> you bet. Of, of of habits and patterns. Uh, and, I, and I will say this, that um, we don't need to worry. We don't need to be paranoid because we are victorious in Jesus Christ. But but I do think, look, if we're trying to repent of a sin or overcome a bad habit, I think we can strategically do things to avoid places that might compromise us or, or tempt us. But we don't need to believe that Satan can read our mind. He can't, but I do think that he tries to trip us up by observing. I think he, he knows us pretty well, though. Would you agree, Bert? I agree. Now, Satan is one being with many demonic spirits okay assistance assistance that's who they are and just talking about that let's do this i heard this a long time ago there's this guy that had problems with pornography you know and Mm -hmm. he had laid it down but on his way from work to home he went by this billboard where there was this scantily dressed uh picture of a woman there and he said i that just doesn't do me any good and he said what can i do about it and the guy said take another route home and so yeah. you avoid it, you pass not by it, you, you, you know, and so you can be offensive on how to do this rather than always defensive and fighting Satan and where, what he's doing. Thank you mm. so much, Mary Jo. We appreciate that. That's well, a good question. It was. Let's go to Paige in Arkansas. Welcome, Paige. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I love you guys' the show so much. I've been listening to you guys since I was like 10 or 11 years old, and I'm 22 now, so a little over 10 God years. Bless yeah, you. we've been around a while, Paige. Go ahead. I know. Thank and you thank, so much. Thank God for y'all's show because it's, it's really helped me to, you know, enlighten myself on the Word of God. Um, my question today is not necessarily just for me, but for a lot of people that I know personally um, – I know that, you know, the, the, the standard scriptures for what marriage is considered to be, but I find in the world a lot lately, even in churches, you know, um, if, if you have a couple in a church that's not married, it's almost like you're looked down upon or something. So my question, I guess, really is what is God's view on marriage? Is it, I mean— the piece of paper or the personal covenant? Okay. Can Mm. I say both? Uh, The reason marriage is so important to society, to have it registered, to have it under authority, uh, it it is important for every way, for uh, keeping you, each individual, accountable, to have it record, recorded for making decisions. There's so many legal ramifications that marriage is important that way. But God is the originator. He is the author of marriage. He's the basis of marriage, Alex. And uh, he describes what marriage should be between a man and a woman, doesn't he? He really does. Do you know there's, there's an assumption, you, you might have heard the phrase common law marriage, 
that if people live together long enough um, that they are somehow common law married. Do you know, as far as I'm aware, that is still not legally true anywhere in the United States. And I was reading an article recently about a music star that was, you know, had a, a woman on the side for like years and years and years, and she claimed that they had de facto a marriage because they had had a relationship for years and years and really the the law of man doesn't recognize that and certainly the law of god doesn't now i want to say this um bert i've had a lot of young couples come to me and they want me to do their wedding and angie and i would do premarital counseling and i've turned down a fair amount of weddings i've done a fair amount of weddings but it's interesting to me how um in the last i guess decade There'd be a lot of young people, and they're professed Christians, and they've been in church their whole life, and they answer the questions all the right way, but yet they're living together. And I said, you know, i got to be honest with you. Uh, the Bible would say you're living in sin, and the Bible calls it fornication. Now, Bert, why do you think God is so clear and even strict on what marriage is? I would say, for one, God knows what's best for us Amen. better than we know what's best. Yes. The other thing is sin uh, really does hurt us. But then another thing, marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. And no matter how the world uh, wants to redefine it, and no matter how really the standards get, I guess, ignored or lowered, Bert, uh, we've got to stand for what God's Word says about marriage because he's the one that originated it, right? He did. I, I tell this, he was the best man. He was the minister, and the he was the father of the the bride in the first marriage. He he did all of that, and it, he said it was good. And so marriage is good, but it was part of not only the individual couple, but it was a part of the society that he was starting because he said, be fruitful and multiply, begin this process. And so, uh, listen, we hope that helps you, Paige. We really do. Let's go to Karen in Texas. Welcome, Karen. Hi, guys. How my beloved brothers. I I love y'all so much. Um, I just wanted to, I, a couple things. But the call screeners said I could only talk about one. But I wanted to, on the Bible translations, because y'all have been getting a lot of questions on that. Um, I started out, I'm, I'm old, but I started out with the, the living translations, and then I got into the New American Standard Bible. But I just wanted to encourage people. Well, then I found the NIV. And I thought, oh, my goodness, it was an open Bible with NIV. But I, uh, through AFR, I uh, I got on to Baruch Corman, the Lost in Translation. And um, I would just encourage people to look at that. He comes on AFR, but it is uh, it has just opened up my world to the, the Greek and the Hebrew translations on verse by verse. And I just, um, it just has meant so much to me. So when people are calling up and asking what translations, I, uh, I, I totally agree with y'all. And, and well, I went back from the NIV, I just went back into the New American Standard Bible. 
And then um, I started following Bruce's teaching, and um, I just I just wanted to throw that out there for okay. people who God might be wanting hey, to. Look, thank you, Karen. Well, Karen thank you. Yeah. First of all, Karen, uh, let me thank you for those kind words about the show, and, and bless you. Thanks for listening. Let me encourage people. Bible study is so rewarding. And a free app that I think is very trustworthy that I, I go on a lot is called Bible Hub, H-U-B. And, Bert, I'm looking at it now. There's the King James, New American Standard, New King James, uh, ESV. Remember this, and um, I want everybody to know that, like, when you read a, a good English translation, translation is a word swap. You know, there's a, a Greek or a Hebrew word, Hebrew in the Old Testament, Greek in the New Testament, and whether your, uh, your, your donor language is Hebrew and Greek, your recipient language might be English, Spanish, one of the dialects of China. But one of the beautiful things is, regardless of the recipient language, God's word being translated into Hindi or Bimba or, you know, go into the Asian world, South America, doesn't matter. It still conveys this truth that the Son of God came to earth, died on the cross. We put our trust in Jesus. We're born again. And I just think that's one of the brilliant things about God's Word is that message comes forth regardless of what the recipient language is. Amen. Let me just say there's an interlinear Bible. I have that, and that is so helpful. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I took Greek. I did not take Hebrew. Now, I took Greek and, Greek, and it was great and memorized a lot and understood some of it. But that interlinear Bible with that, and then get a Bible. And in the New Testament, vines, uh, word meaning, and look up the Greek word, and then you can find out what the different ways it can be used. And I want to tell you, it's a good way to do Bible study. So uh, uh, thank you, Karen. Thank you so much, and we do appreciate your comments so much. Let's go to Louisiana and talk to Robert. Welcome, Robert. Hello. Yes, go right How ahead. How you doing today? Doing great. I am so so thankful for y'all's program and everything. I want to set a little thing up for you in uh, Genesis. Right? We talk about Noah coming to the point where the Lord was talking to him, and God said he was his friend. And he said, I would not hide from my friend what I'm about to do. So I don't know if you've ever had, and I know you've had little children, but when they try to get your attention, they come up, they tug on your clothes, and the next thing you know, they're they're pulling on you, maybe involved in another conversation or something with an adult, and pretty soon they slide up into your lap and sit there and try to get your attention, and then they will put their hands on either side of your face and look you in the eye <laughs> to make sure they have your undivided attention. What do you suppose Noah's posture was when <laughs> he found grace in the eyes of the hey, Lord? Amen. Robert, thank you. Listen, that is awesome. Noah found grace. Sounds like a good song, Alex. I think it reminds posture, me of the yeah. Statler brothers. <laughs> yeah, I you think his that? posture was just open before God. Listen, uh, God speaking, God making Himself known to us, even today in in the Bible. I'll come across or hear a song that's got the Bible verse in it, and it strikes me and it humbles me before Him to know this God is a God that's made himself known to me, and he has allowed me to come into relationship with him, Alex. 
Uh, yeah. It's humbling regardless of the posture, isn't it? Yeah, it's in Genesis 6, 8. It says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And folks, let, let's us be amazed and grateful and humbly praise God. If, if you've heard the gospel and you've been saved, you have found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Bert, there, there's 8 billion people <laughs> plus, and uh, many don't know there is a Jesus to believe in, and yet the Lord has graciously called our name, and we've heard Christ, and oh my goodness, the, the, uh, the reality that we've been saved, we could have gone out into eternity lost forever, Amen. and yet Jesus loved us. Amen. So what is, I don't know what Noah's posture was, but I know what mine ought to be. Amen. Grateful. Amen. Let's go to Gary in Texas for our last call of the day. Gary, thank you for calling. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing well. Blessed. Good to have you. Wonderful. Man, um, I've got a question that really bothers me. I have a friend that's a real young fellow in his 30s. I'm in my 70s. And he told me not too long ago that he believes the Bible was changed. And he told me he, he could give me some references, but he never has. Uh, since, since when has the Bible ever been changed? Okay, Gary. Uh, and what up? My reference, my reference is to uh, um, the homosexual part of the Bible. Okay. Alex, what's that scripture? That in such were some of you over in the book uh, of Corinthians, isn't that First it? 1 Corinthians 6. And uh, such were some of you. 6 through 9, yes. Were, Past tense verb. And you. If they change, it's the original. You were that way. You're not now, but you were because you've been changed and redeemed. Uh, go ahead, yes. Alex. Well, and let me just encourage people to read First Corinthians six nine through eleven. And there's a great long grocery list. And if and it it includes that if you want to inherit the kingdom of heaven, in other words, be saved, not lost, go to heaven, not hell. You have to admit your sin and turn from it and believe in Jesus. And one of the sins from which people must turn if they want to go to heaven is the sin of homosexuality. Uh, Bert, nobody is born gay. It's a response to pain. The uh, people that are sexually deviant, it's a response to abuse. It's a very sad thing. Anybody can be saved, but you must turn away from your sin whether that be promiscuous heterosexuality, homosexuality. Bert, we've got to turn to Christ, not stay in sin. Amen. He doesn't save us to sin. He saves us from our sin. Mm. Come into him. Listen, thank everybody for being with us today. We hope you have a great weekend. Go to church. Worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell someone about exploring the word. But more importantly, tell them about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.